Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk radio, live from Westminster. I think there's a clear warning there. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. What's next? Order! Talk radio, live from Westminster. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio coming to you live once more from College Green in Westminster on the day after we finally got a break. The People versus Parliament is now fully underway and we are going to the polls. That's right. Uh, early evening yesterday it was decided in the House of Commons that Boris Johnson could indeed get his general election and it's going to be on October the 12th, a Thursday, not October the 9th, which is what the Lib Dems and the SNP wanted. They were all very concerned, of course, that Boris was going to try and slip in a no-deal Brexit tomorrow on Halloween. It'd be quite funny if he did, to be honest now, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, he has swed, he has uh, pledged to go all the way down to the wire. Uh, the election period will begin next week. Uh, campaigning has already begun with news this morning for you that Amber Rudd has announced that she will not be running uh, for her seat, which was very, very marginal indeed down in South East England uh, in Hastings in Sussex. We shall see uh, what happens now uh, with the Labour Party. Jeremy Corbyn, of course, is saying how glad he is that we are finally going to the people and he can't wait to get out there on the stump and meet people door to door in every town, in every village, in every part of the country. Well, I I think there are certain parts of the country uh, that some Labour MPs might not be getting quite such a warm welcome as they thought they might get uh, before the whole Brexit scenario happened. We are, of course, uh, your election station. We alone will bring you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth in the run-up to the third election we've had in this country in four years. We had a referendum as well, and we're still in the European Union. 0344 499 1000 is the number I want you to call me on because we've got a lot to talk about this morning, an awful lot uh, of other stories to do as well. The Grenfell Tower Report is out. We'll be coming live from Grenfell with you as well, uh, bringing you talk from the families, from some of the victims, from some of the campaigners and some of the politicians in that one as well. You'll listen to me, Mike Graham, coming to you live from College Green in Westminster. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio, live from Westminster. Now, there's all sorts of fascinating twists and turns which will take place between now and December the 12th, not least uh, the polling. Nobody seems to know exactly what is likely to happen. What is being predicted is that we may end up, as Julie Hartley Brewer just told us there, uh, with another hung parliament, with no particular party having any great majority to do anything. So the best way to find out exactly where we stand is to kick off with our favourite pollster, Joe Twyman, founder of Delta Poll, uh, who joins us now in the tent in Westminster. Joe, uh, very good morning to you. Welcome back. Uh, haven't seen you for, I don't know, <laughs> Or so. Good morning. Um, it's lovely to be here. It again. is lovely. And also the weather is very clement. Isn't it nice to see the sun shining uh, on the people versus parliament day one? We that's were, where we are. We were here for the hottest day of the year. We I were. imagine we will be here for the coldest day of the year too. Well, do you know, I was asked uh, today whether I would be bringing my big coat along. And I have to say the big coat is only brought out of uh, mothballs whenever we're down to zero temperature uh, or possibly very many sing- very much single digit territory. Today we're about 10 or 12, so it's not too bad. I'm wearing my election big coat now yes i can see that but but mine is so hot literally that it it makes it impossible for me to do anything other than uh, get very very warm indeed now let's talk about uh, the polling because overnight uh, we've heard from every single leader of each party saying they want to be prime minister jeremy corbyn wants to be prime minister joe swinson wants to be prime minister caroline lucas hasn't quite thrown her hat into that ring Uh, but boris johnson of course would expect to be the next prime minister having served for one of the shortest periods of time thus far. He was only elected in July, wasn't he? If he gets voted out, he will be the shortest serving Prime Minister we have had. Really? uh, Yeah, and that would be be quite an undertaking. Mm. Uh, In order for that to happen, 
the uh, the arithmetic of the seat has to be against him. But it's it's slightly interesting because Boris Johnson, because of everything that's happened with the DUP and his various allies in Parliament, former allies in Parliament, realistically speaking, Boris Johnson needs to win a majority if he's to stay Prime Minister. Yeah. Uh, and probably needs a majority of more than 20 if he's to deliver on his promises on Brexit. Jeremy Corbyn, on the other hand, only needs to prevent Boris Johnson getting that majority. Labour could have fewer seats than the Conservatives, and yet it could be that through alliances with people like the uh, Scottish Nationalists or the Lib Dems, that Jeremy Corbyn could be Prime Minister, or perhaps somebody else, a, a compromise candidate who was, uh, who was more, shall we say, um, of benefit yeah. to, those, uh, to those other groups. Uh, and it's not completely outside the realm's possibility, though highly unlikely, that Joe Swinson could become that figurehead for a sort of Remain yes. alliance. I'm not sure there's enough votes out there. We'll, we'll see, obviously, and we won't know probably really until very well into the evening uh, of December the 12th after the polls close at 10 o'clock, uh, which we will bring you, of course, on Talk Radio. A couple of things have already emerged. Joe Swinson last night uh, not denying that the possibility of doing uh, with... Clyde Cymru, what they did in Brecon and Radnish, a by-election, uh, i.e. stepping down and making them step aside uh, if there's a, a one-remain candidate, effectively. That's fine for Wales, but that does not really necessarily help them everywhere because, of course, Wales overall voted to leave. Uh, that's right. And at an individual constituency basis, it could work, but they need Labour to be involved in that as well. Yeah. If I were them, I would be seriously considering the idea of a single remain candidate, and if you like, a, a man in a white suit, mm. Martin Bell type character, to run in Uxbridge yeah. against the Prime Minister, because that is a student-heavy uh, constituency that is remain leaning, mm. uh, and the Conservatives only have a relatively it's about small five thousand, isn't it? Only a relatively yeah. small majority there. And also, interestingly, there are rumours abounding that uh, that Boris these are being denied by Downing Street that Boris Johnson might actually go and look for a safer seat because Richard Tice from the Brexit Party has also suggested that he might run against uh, Boris Johnson. And interesting about the Brexit Party, Tice also saying today that he's had many Tory MPs begging him not to run against them. Now, there's a little bit of spin, I suspect, <laughs> attached to that because right. one thing we haven't heard from. Uh, over the past 24 hours, really, is any officialdom from the Brexit party stating what it is that they're going to do. And I'll tell you why I think that is. I don't think they know what they're going to do, and I don't think they've got enough candidates yet. Uh, Nigel Farage has been largely missing in action for the last mm. three weeks or so, which is particularly unusual for him. Yeah. He never saw a microphone he didn't like. Yeah, right. Uh, but I think they are in a really difficult position because the Brexit party's problem has consistently been the same one that UKIP had, which is the ability to fight a national election in all 650 yes. constituencies highlights their deficiencies with, firstly, issues other than Brexit. And so I'm sure listeners who support the Brexit party will say, oh, no, we have a policy on that, we have a policy on this and this, etc. But, yeah, but it they, doesn't actually matter. Uh, it doesn't matter, but also they don't have the p people to talk about that on air. Uh, they don't have the representatives. They don't have the kind of strength in depth. Uh, that uh, that other parties have. And then when you get down to the constituency list, certainly uh, the Brexit Party, if it follows the UKIP handbook, has had problems in the past once you get to the sort of 600 mm. candidate yes. who has caused problems for them. I think there are suggestions that in, rather than going for a national uh, attack, they will instead focus on 20 or so specific constituencies where they think they have the greatest impact. Then they could put their strong, uh, effectively the the first team out to compete in those uh, in those areas. In those sort of high profile areas. The other interesting story I'm seeing this morning comes from uh, an operation called Onward. Now I don't know whether you're familiar with them and uh, whether you are indeed someone who would suggest that they're right on these things. But they're saying uh, that Boris Johnson's sort of Christmas present will come largely from older white male voters in leave-backing northern towns. They're calling it Workington Man. Every election we have. Yes. We have we had Worcester had, Woman. We've had Worcester Woman. Yeah. We've had Motorway Man. We've had Mondeo Man. Mondeo Man, yes. Uh, that was Norman Sells, Tibbets, Selsden it? Man, going yeah. back to the 70s. I mean, all of these uh, all of these things are... You go all the way back to Cro-Magnon Man. <laughs> I don't know who he voted for. <laughs> but, but, you know, the Camulodinum constituency was a, was a three-way marginal. Yeah. Um, what they are all about is trying to personify 
the target voters that the main parties are going after. They're a bit of a they're a bit of a media construction, and they tend to not have that much value within uh, within data. But there's still an interesting thing to talk about. But also, it's in this inter- but, but also their particular theory here is a, is a good one because it talks about basically an awful lot of those traditional working class sort of blue collar uh, and slightly maybe lower managerial style job holders from interestingly as they say rugby league supporting oh, yeah, that, constituencies. That's what that's what I was going to say. If Boris Johnson is to get that majority, yeah. particularly that majority of more than 20, he needs to win in these leave-leaning constituencies that are currently held by Labour. Yeah. Now, some of those are completely out of, one would assume, based on historical standards, are completely out of range because the majority for Labour is huge. Yeah. But there's a good handful, maybe 13, perhaps as many as 20, that uh, the Conservatives could pick up based on their Brexit mm. position. But the thing is, focusing just on working to man, I think is missing a trick. Because actually, when you look at the data, it's the women that Boris Johnson particularly needs to convince. He polls much better with men than he does with women. Mm. And so perhaps Workington woman would be a more appropriate aim for, uh, for the Conservatives yes, to indeed. focus on. But of course, what they need is, <laughs> you can't win just with one gender. No. You need everyone in that constituency, be they man, woman, or, uh, or identify otherwise. Well, this is the interesting it. thing. And, I mean, the spectre last night was raised on Sky TV, uh, which I suppose none of us have really spoken about yet, and that is, of course, the spectre of the television debate. Because if you remember last time around, Theresa May uh, danced an entire sort of merry jig around the idea that she was far too important to debate with any of the other party leaders. So they could have their debate, and she would just go and win the election. And then, unfortunately, it didn't quite work out for her as she had planned. Uh, that is an understatement, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, it, the debates last time were very, very strange because, of course, Jeremy Corbyn also was umming and ahhing about yeah. whether he was going to Well, he up. was umming and ahhing about whether he should only debate with Theresa May, given that he was the main contender yeah. for her job. And so I wonder whether we'll go through that same thing now. Uh, almost certainly. And then, and then where does the Brexit party come into that, for instance? Mm. Because if they're only fielding 20 constituents, uh, should they be allowed? Uh, should Ply Cymru and the SNP be allowed? It, it gets very, very That's complicated. when it starts to get crazy because there was one debate, I seem to remember, there was like seven <laughs> candidates on the stage and they all get a, a minute to answer a question. You just go, there just literally isn't any point. I there ima- is no point. I imagine that this time around we would see uh, some form of debate and that uh, Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson will both want to take part yes. uh, because they both think they can benefit from it. Yeah. Theresa May, I think, knew she wasn't really up to it deep down. Boris Johnson uh, well, lacks nothing we'll if get a, not, we'll, we'll get a, <laughs> not we'll get a, we'll get a, Although, interestingly, you can say this about Boris Johnson. I mean, he's very good at this matchbox. And he's very good at uh, rinsing Jeremy Corbyn, which I'm sure he'll do this afternoon in Prime Minister's Questions. Only the third time they've actually met each other across uh, in that situation. But actually, in a debate style situation, he's not as good. I noticed when he was debating Jeremy Hunt for the leadership of the Tory party, there were moments where you thought... He's not actually being entirely truthful here, and he's actually looking as if he's wriggling around a little bit. True, but I don't think that necessarily hampers him among his core supporters. Uh, It remains to be seen. The the thing about debates is they always have the potential to have an impact on things, and they very often define the rhythm and the agenda of the campaigns. But rarely in this country have we, since they were first introduced back in 2010, have we seen them actually have a major impact. I think when they were first introduced, that a novelty value, and people were willing to accept them in a sort of non-partisan way and genuinely were interested to see how they would go and what the people would say. We had the whole I agree with Nick phenomenon. Now I think, uh, particularly in this, uh, in this period of time where things are so partisan and people are so vocal, I think they will simply be an opportunity to, to give a series of party political broadcasts. And now, of course, we're looking very much at the battleground, really, and the places where you might find that um, some um, uh, Tory MPs would be worried about being beaten to the, to the punch. Similarly, uh, there might be plenty of Lib Dem seats that might lose out to the Labour Party. Uh, there's 10 crunch battleground seats, apparently, uh, according to some information I've got here. One, of course, is Brecon Radisher, because if the Remainer Alliance doesn't hold together, you know, that's a very slim majority that, uh, that the Lib Dems got there. Cheltenham, uh, Remain voting former Lib Dem stronghold, currently held by the Tories. You've got Bolsover, uh, which is Bor- uh, Boris, can Boris Johnson swing leave. They voted 70 percent leave but it's a Labour seat because of course it's it's Dennis Skinner's seat and a strong Labour seat and as very well, much yeah. so Canterbury where they got the shock last time because of the uh, the Remain vote Hastings of course where we've just heard Amber Rudd uh, is going to depart but uh, I don't know what there's what the Tories are going to do there because it's a very slim majority they might not be able to swing it anyway all of these are illustrative of the kind of issues that the Conservatives face because they have to win over Remain 
leaning Conservatives mm. and hold on to those seats in the southwest that were previously very popular with the Lib Dems and David Cameron came in and swept them all together, which got him the majority back in 2015. They need to hold on to the uh, remain uh, leaning seats they have in Scotland, uh, where unionist versus independence could be an additional dimension there. Yeah. But if they don't hold on to those seats, then it's going to be difficult for uh, increasingly difficult to get a majority because Theresa May relied on those 13 seats to get where she was, yes. which was short of a majority. To but of course, with. now that he's got the 10 uh, uh, sort of rebels back that he gave the whip back to yesterday uh, in order to get that vote through, although it turned out he probably didn't need them anyway. Um, you've also got the Lib Dems with an increased uh, MP presence, largely because of people defecting. Those MPs all have to hold their seats in addition to them hoping uh, to get more. So it's a very complicated puzzle we're looking at. You know, it's extremely complicated, and that's why this election represents an enormous gamble for the Conservatives and an enormous gamble for Labour as well. But clearly, Boris Johnson and his team have looked at all the big gambles in front of them and thought, well, this is the least big of those gambles. And I think they're probably right on that Mm. because to struggle through with Brexit not having this majority... Uh, would have been extremely difficult and potentially more damaging to them in the long term. Whereas when you're ahead in the polls as they are at the moment, and of course there's no guarantee that that would last through a campaign, but being ahead at the moment is certainly a best, a better position to be in. Sure, and I'm going to now ask you the $64,000 question before I let you go. Um, how wrong did you get it last time we had a general election? Well, if you remember, Mike, 10 days out from the election, my company at the time produced the, uh, produced the poll that said that we're heading for a hung parliament, and that was an option. Right. Uh, and that was not met with universal acclaim of at course the not. time. But, so you're telling me you alone were the ones that got it right? Uh, well, I prefer to see it as me being the only person who's ever right. Right, but, okay. Uh, but in which case, I'm not, not entirely in which case, I will now ask you to write down who's going to win and by how much on a piece of paper, and I'll put it in an envelope, as to be opened on Friday the 13th of <laughs> December. <laughs> as as we uh, as we know as we know, Mike, uh, polls are only ever a prediction. Of course, uh, sorry, only ever a snapshot. And well, listen, you've just told me you're never prediction. wrong, so you know uh, this is why I want to know. So I, I can put I some suspect, money on it. I suspect that uh, that J- that Joe Swinson will not become prime minister. I think even I could make that prediction, but uh, who knows? Joe Tyron, thank you very much indeed. We'll take your calls, please. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Because what's going to be fascinating is all of these places, and if you're in any of these places that I just read out as the marginal seats, I want to hear from you. Here's another one: Richmond Park, Crewe and Nantwich, Ashfield. Sterling, Newcastle under Lyme, all places where uh, it's all literally balanced on a knife edge. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. We are the home of uh, the election. We are your election station. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio, live from Westminster. Now, it says here you're from the People's Vote campaign. Uh, We're about to have a People's Vote, aren't we? So you must be absolutely over the moon. (laughs) We're having a general election. Uh, well, is it a people's vote? It is a vote in which the people will participate. But I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I honestly don't think it's the right way to resolve Brexit. I, I think there's a real danger we'll be back here in a, a few weeks' times and actually it won't be resolved. And, you know, the, the, as Theresa May found in, in 2017, you can say as the leader, this is what I want the election mm. to be about. But it, it doesn't always pan out like that. And I, th- I just think that people will be so, millions of people will really be struggling as to who and what to vote for. You've got, you know, you've got Labour people who are sort of more inclined to leave, maybe. You've got Tories who can't stand the fact that Johnson's is be- becoming a sort of pale imitation of the Brexit party. You've got the Lib Dems who are, you know, who sort of, in a way, provoke this election which uh, slightly su- which slightly makes me suspicious of their motives, really, because the Lib Dems want to remain in the European Union, so presumably they see this as an opportunity to do that. So they they're seeing the general election as a way of stopping Brexit. Uh, I hope so, but I'm not sure that I think I, I don't know is the answer. Mm. But I I think actually they maybe think that no, that the way things are, they see a strategy for, for certainly increasing their representation yeah. in Parliament. But look, I, I the only the, my problem with this whole thing is that I think a, a, an election becomes about everything. And when Brexit is so big and so defining, when it was a referendum that mm. gave us the leave vote in the first place, I think if you're having a democratic check on it, it should be another referendum. But the problem is Parliament left Boris Johnson really with very little choice here because That's they were making true. all sorts of noises about am- amending the uh, the Brexit deal that he had with Brussels, talking about tacking on all sorts of things about having a European vote. No, that's a different voting. bill. That's a different no, bill. No, no, no. They were talking about doing it for that as well, saying that, you know, we would like to ratify it with a second referendum. We would like to tack all this stuff on 
one at customs union very possibly. Yes, that's Parliament. But the point is, is if he thought that he wasn't going to be able to get the bill through in the way that he wanted to get it through, then now he's done the old scorched earth policy. All right, then we'll have a general election. No, listen, he's wanted an election from day one. Right. So he's Uh, won then. Well, he's certainly got his way. And I I think it's always a mistake to, to allow your opponent to kind of get what they want if it's something that at the start of the debate you say you don't want. And yeah. I think so. I, I, anyway, that's happened now. We're going to have an election. But I, I really don't see. You see, I think the reason he, he got the second reading for his withdrawal agreement bill. Right. And as Ken Clark said, if he'd actually brought it back and said we can have a bit more time for debate, mm. could have been out by November. Could have been. Could don't have been. know. Right. So he's decided he wants an election. Why does he want that? Two reasons, in my view. If he had a referendum, you've got to get 50%. He can get a decent majority on 35%, not more than one, you know, not much more than one in three. And the second thing, he thinks that basically, he thinks the chair that you're sitting in could beat Jeremy Corbyn. Yes, he's probably and, right about that. Well, Theresa May thought that, but we'll see. Yeah, My but point is, yeah, but Theresa May made the massive error of bringing in that ridiculous dementia tax. And, and being I mean, the worst campaign ever. And being ever. the worst campaigner ever. Uh, and reading uh, the latest book out about Theresa May, that she apparently should have fallen and sort of not blamed those two hapless advisors that she had, seems remarkable to me. I mean, I don't think we should, uh, you know, sort of go over Theresa May's record too much. But that was a, cl- that was a massive error. Yeah. And that was what lost her the majority, really. Well, I think, but I think also that there's something about the British people in politics. If you go back through a lot of elections... And by-elections as well. When the sort of people are forced to, to go out and vote, in, in, as, as they are at this, particularly just before Christmas, it's very rare that by the, you get the time you get to the vote, front of mind mm. is what the guy who caused the election said it right. was about. So all I'm saying it's is... It's like the last Eurovision song you hear, isn't it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you, like, you like that no, one? It's, it's really not like that <laughs> at all. It really isn't. But what, I've, no, what I'm saying is I think this could go any which way. Uh, if you look at the polls, Boris Johnson's in a very strong position. But then you look at the polls saying Scotland, mm. he's going to lose seats there. You look at certain seats down here, he's going to lose seats to the Liberal Democrats. I think there's some seats where the Tories are... Re- look, the, here's the thing for you. There's all this talk about he's scared to fight in Uxbridge. Mm. Well, if he's scared to fight in Uxbridge, he's not going to get a majority. Well, he's denying that, isn't he? But, I mean, of course, everyone will say... He's a you uh, know that. You, well, you've said that before. We don't want to go true. back down that it's road. true. Um, Richard Tice may stand against him. That would be an interesting contest. Um, the other thing is, of course, he may go to another place. But what about... I mean, you've got a lot of experience of fighting elections in different sort of weathers. And, and I mean, I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but the weather is important. The fact that it's happening in December is important in certain parts of the country, particularly in Scotland. Yeah. And it may be harder for the SNP to get their vote out uh, than they think. Well, that's what I thought was very odd about the SNP and the Lib Dems mm. doing what they did at the weekend. On, on one day, Ian Blackford, the SNP leader in Westminster, was saying, this is ridiculous to have an election in December. We've only right. got four hours of daylight. Yes. And then two days later, he's saying, we've got to have it in December. <laughs> well, Jeremy Corbyn <laughs> said yesterday how he couldn't wait to get himself out there on the doorsteps of every village and town and city in the nation, whereas the day before he didn't want to do that. Yeah, so, no, I mean, I, there's I, a lot I, of people changing their minds rapidly. I know, but I think, and, and that is the mess that we're in. And, and we, you know, let's just accept this. It is Brexit that has created this mess for us and the inability for, for Parliament and the public to agree what Brexit really means. And this is why I really do believe, I know you're right, that the, the referendum has gone for this Parliament, OK? Mm. But I think it could come back because unless you get... I've just been doing an interview with Ben Habib, the Brexit Party yeah. guy. Now, their strategy... Have they got one yet, by the well, way? Because I'm not sure they have. I think that they say what their strategy is, is basically they will, they will try to pressure Johnson into becoming effectively the Brexit party, going for a hard Brexit. Yeah. And if they do that, they'll pull out their candidates in those seats where they're going to get Brexit. Now, I think that's a real danger for Johnson. It is. See, I think what they will do rather than that is to say to them uh, that why don't we talk about uh, what you can do if you win some seats after the election, because then they could do a sort of DUP-style deal with the Brexit party, because I don't think Boris wants to get into bed with the Brexit party before the poll. Be because mistake. if he does, he then alienates his own more moderate members of the party who may not like that. Well, I think what the last election showed, if you think about the DUP and the power that they've had in this parliament, if you think about some of the individual MPs like, you know, Dominic Grieve yeah. or Anna Soubry and, you know, uh, Hillary Benn, individual MPs have had massive impact on this. So if we do end up in a situation, and I don't think the country's ready to give anybody a big majority, I really don't. Mm. It's not like Thatcher and Blair, this. You don't feel that out there that, no. oh, I really want Boris Johnson to be prime minister, I really want Jeremy Corbyn. You don't get that sense. So therefore, I think you could end up 
in a situation where around the country you've got 650 sets of people really, really thinking about this in a way that, and I agree Christmas is a problem, December's a problem, the weather, but I think a lot of people, you must find this from your programme, people are following this much more closely oh, than very they much no- so. normally follow politics. And I think... We've doubled our uh, listenership in a year. That's I mean, all, that's it's all it's down going. to you. That's it all is. down to I'm you. I'm just talking about my yeah. show. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't care about anybody. No, that's not <laughs> true. But no, the point is, is that people are massively engaged, um, but equally their vote counts less and more depending on where they are. You know, because if you're in a leave, cause say you're in Wigan, right, and you're a Labour voter, but you want to remain, do you vote for Lisa Nandy? Probably not, because she's now saying she's a leave voter. And that's why I think there'll be, I think there'll be a lot of tactical voting going on. And I think it will vary from seat to seat. And I'll tell you the other thing Labour needs to be really careful about. If you remember the last election, after it, mm. both Labour and Tories kept saying 80% of people voted for parties that promised to take this out of the European Union. Yeah, that was nonsense. Well, it was ridiculous because so many people voted Labour to stop Theresa right. May getting a majority. So I think Labour's got to get a really clear position, which at the moment, I, th- I fear they're still going to want to yeah. face both ways. Now, tell us what's going on with the people's vote, because there's a remarkable series of tweets going on lately about you know people turning up for work, being told to go to the pub, being told to come back from the pub, mm. to be told uh, that somebody, somebody you never heard of is in charge, this other bloke's left. What's going <laughs> on well it's not great and, and uh, i'll tell you exactly what's going on you the told me this was all rubbish the last time i asked you about it when no, the mail on sunday had done a piece about all the, all I don't the was about, that was infighting oh that's true no what i said to you that's true i was playing down the oh, uh, playing it down uh, right, playing right, it down sorry. yeah no i'll tell you exactly what's going on i mean the people's vote has been an amazing success in that we've gone from a standing start to everybody knows what it is yeah. okay it's a campaign but it's it's a coalition of, of organizations one of those organisations, the biggest within it, is Open Britain, which yeah. emerged from the failed 2016 campaign. For reasons I honestly do not understand, I've thought about it, I know the guy, but the chairman of Open Britain, Roland Rudd, who's a multimillionaire PR guy in the city, he has taken it upon himself to get rid of two of the most important people in the campaign who've actually done a very, very good job and put in charge of it somebody from a different organisation who wasn't consulted, who's one of the other five. So it's utter chaos. Mm. And it's the worst... I cannot think of a worse time to do it. So, I mean, yes, you're right. It's a total mess. Um, Can't you have a referendum to sort it out? Or well, we've had... They had, they, the they, had, they had... That's a very good point. Yesterday, they had a vote of the staff and there was a massive vote of no confidence in Roland Rudd and the guy that he wants to replace the people okay. that he's trying to sack. Well, he'll just so ignore that, will he? He'll probably say, let's have another one. <laughs> until I don't... I don't I get, I'm getting the joke here, Mike. But, but no, it's tragic because, you know, it has been a very good campaign. We had a million people, near, you know, on the streets recently. We've, we've massively increased the number of MPs. I think we could have got a confirmatory referendum in this parliament, but that's now over. I'm not buying it as a million, by the way, but I'll let that Okay, the German TV said it was 2.2 million, but yeah. anyway, well, uh, and that was probably wrong as well so but my the, 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 so anyway it's look it's a mess and uh people in these situations i've had lots of people saying to me why are you washing your dirty linen in public and i hate doing it but i think sometimes particularly when you've got 40 people today who've been told if they don't turn up for work with somebody that they don't recognize as their boss they're going to get fired i mean it's crazy yeah it is and so not very democratic, are they? No, it's not very democratic. And I think this guy who sort of parades as a liberal, progressive sort of guy, I think he's, you know, to be absolutely frank, I think he's hoping he gets a peerage from the Liberal Democrats one day. Uh, that, that was a, a low blow, but we're in that world, I'm afraid. No, I'm afraid and, we are. Well, and, you know, so, but, but what I've said to the people who work there and what I've said to the people who believe in the people's vote, yes, we shouldn't be washing the, the dirt in public, but this has got to be resolved. Meantime, those people, like me, have to spend the next few weeks trying to persuade the public to back those candidates who actually, in the next parliament, would fight for a people's vote. OK. Alistair Campbell, thank you very much indeed. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, good luck at the weekend with Burnley and all that, and up in uh, Workington Man Label country, uh, where they all like rugby league and Brexit, apparently. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. I think there's a clear warning there. Talk Radio, live from Westminster. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green in Westminster. We are watching the action as it happens. We will be bringing you Prime Minister's questions at midday, of course, uh, and we'll be bringing me more calls uh, from the people that matter, and that is you, the voters, 0344 499 1000. There will be a general election, as we have been told, uh, on the 12th of December. Uh, the other big story to talk about today, though, uh, is the report that has come out about the Grenfell Tower fire. Uh, it's a pretty damning report. Uh, it has basically been described as strong and fair uh, by the people uh, who survived the Grenfell Tower fire and also those relatives who suffered losses uh, to their loved ones as well. We're going to talk now to Yvette Williams, MBE, campaigner from Justice for Grenfell, community activist and North Kensington uh, resident. Uh, very good morning to you, Yvette. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for, for, for joining us. I mean, a terrible, terrible, um, awful disaster, which, which has, I suppose, many hands when you talk about the failure of the health and safety, the failure uh, of the policy, the failure uh, of the way the government worked, the, uh, uh, the whole situation, the failure of the architects. Um, does this bring some kind of closure, if not some beginning of closure to it? Um, I, I, I don't think it brings closure. Um, I still think that we're very near to the beginning. Um, right. I mean, the report has taken a long time. It is thorough. I think it is fair. Um, I were hoping that the government actually acts on the recommendation that Sir Martin Morbick has put into the report and doesn't sit on it like they did with the Larknell um, inquiry report. Yes. Um, where nothing happened, they just sat on it, and actually maybe so that actually then, Grenfell would never have happened. No, quite. And that is the is is so annoying about this whole situation that you know forty six recommendations being made out of this report. When I was speaking to our reporter Alex Dibble earlier today, I said, you know, how quickly uh, and when will these uh, recommendations be adopted? Because there's an awful lot of people that will tell me today that basically, you know, there are many unsafe buildings still uh, in London and other parts of the country where the cladding uh, has not been properly either removed uh, or attached. Well, that culture of a lack of urgency is very telling in this because mm. out some of the, the recommendations that have been made, there was no need to wait until the end of the re- inquiry and to publish the report for those things to be acted upon. Yeah. We're talking about saving people's lives here. Um, it's, it so seems incredible, doesn't it? It seems absolutely yeah. incredible. I mean, what, what is your hope and what, what can your campaign do um, to try and sort of move this along a little bit quicker? Um, well, uh, first um, kind of judgment is that um, actually so it started at the beginning and what led up to Grenfell happening, um, the recommendations would have been a lot more thorough. I think there were some kind of crucial issues happening in our society that led to Grenfell, whether it's social inequality, you know, um, dreadful housing policies, privatisation of public services, the whole stuff around deregulation, you know, cuts to the fire service. These are the big recommendations that we're looking for and we're hoping that the judge addresses them in a real way in phase two. Sure. And you saw the fire on the night. You witnessed it um, happening. That must have been quite um, just incredibly difficult to describe and difficult to forget, really. Uh, It never leaves you. It never leaves you. And foolishly, I took my daughter with me on the night. We just went to collect a friend who'd been evacuated. It never leaves you. And, I mean, we can see the tower now as I'm speaking to you. Yes. Um, You know, it it always feels like it happened yesterday. Or the other extreme is sometimes you wake up and think, was that a nightmare? That didn't really happen. Are you, are you one of those, um, Yvette, that thinks that the, the building should remain as a memorial? Uh. I think the building has to stand for now. Um, I think that, um, you know, the future of the site um, should be left to those who are bereaved and the survivors. Um, I don't think it should be built on in the future. Um, but I think, do you know what I mean, we need to do some kind of you know, fulfilling, like, memorial. Um, Because, you know, we had young children who saw the fire on the night. That will stay with them for a generation. Mm. Um, And what happened at Grenfell should never be forgotten. 
No, I couldn't agree more. Yvette, thank you very much indeed. Yvette Williams, MBE, campaigner from Justice for Grenfell, uh, community activist and North Kensington resident. That report is out today. We will be talking about it more over the course of the day here uh, at Talk Radio because, of course, uh, it has been addressed by Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, and it will be debated as well uh, inside the Houses of Parliament today uh, because in addition to Prime Minister's questions, uh, that will be pretty much uh, mostly what gets talked about because the election has been called. Um, there will be no more Brexit conversations, but we are are now joined uh, by a Tory MP, Tory MP for Hexham, uh, no doubts as well, Guy Oppenheim. Um, thank you very much indeed for joining us, Guy. Um, what is going on inside the Parliament today? We're looking forward to Prime Minister's questions and we're expecting Boris Johnson to give uh, Jeremy Corbyn a bit of a hard time. Uh, well, finally, Jeremy Corbyn has grown a pair mm. and finally, after the fourth time of asking, has decided that he wants to face the voters. He can't wait, apparently. Um, well, he seemed to be able to wait beforehand <laughs> quite well. I mean, I, I know... Uh, he's meant to be this very brave campaigner, but having called for an election, I think, pretty much every single day... 35 times, I think, Boris said he called for an election uh, um, this year alone. Yeah, I mean, that's at the very least. I mean, uh, there wouldn't be a single PMQs when he wouldn't have said, come on, bring on an election. And then when he's asked, of course, he runs scared. The reason is, is threefold. First of all, they're miles behind in the polls. Secondly, Corbyn is toxic. You know, I represent a community in the northeast. Uh, it's the traditional home of uh, coal, ships, steel. I've got... Uh, dozens of former mining towns there. And I tell you that Jeremy Corbyn is not popular there. He really is not. Uh, and the final point is they just don't have a credible policy on Brexit. Now, you can you can agree or disagree with Brexit, but you've got to have a policy. And even if you could argue, and I, they will try and argue they have a credible policy on Brexit, I, I genuinely don't know what Jeremy Corbyn's views are on the European referendum and whether we should leave. He is utterly uh, unable to give a view as, and he wants to be leader of this country on the key issue of the day. He thinks that he can be leader of a party which has a selection of disparate views, I suppose, and one which he can then bring together at the end, which is sort of the, what Boris has had to do as well, although Boris Johnson has been clearer about him wanting to leave the European Union and wanting to get it done. Um, but, I mean, it may well be that in this election, the Labour Party is not the, the biggest foe of the Conservative Party. It may well be uh, that it's the Remainers, and it may well be that it's the Brexit Party. Well, no, I think the, it is true that all political parties are a broad church, and to pretend otherwise is naive. You know, you have, on the one hand, John Redwood and Ken Clark within yes. our political party, and uh, both of them voting for the second uh, reading of the withdrawal agreement bill. So there you have a very broad church mm. supporting Brexit. Yeah. I, I Personally, I believe it's more about democracy. It's about whether you accept the result of the referendum in the first place, because speaking for myself, I led the campaign for Remain in the Northeast. And I asked Jeremy Corbyn to come north, mm. and he refused. Right. Didn't come to the northeast, the, the Labour heartland. There are 26 Labour seats out of 29 in the northeast. Yes. Didn't come once to the northeast during the European referendum. And, uh, but I'm now very committed to seeing this over the line. I voted four times for us to leave. And I believe very strongly that, yes, this is dividing the country. And to pretend otherwise is naive and wrong. Yes. But this is the point. If you deny democracy and you deny the decision of over 17 million people on, in June 2016, the consequences of that are way worse. I was speaking to a butcher in my patch a couple of months back, and he said to me, why would I ever vote again? Mm. What, what, what incentive would there be when everybody before the referendum said they'd respect the result, everyone after the referendum said they'd respect the result, and Parliament, sadly, has not respected the result? That's the reality of what we're dealing that with. That is the reality. And of those 29 seats, uh, which, are, which 26 are Labour, um, I don't know whether you've seen any Tory polling or anything like that yet, but 26 seats, certainly at least half of those are in quite perilous danger to the Brexit party because they're all leave constituencies, aren't they? Well, I, I think the Brexit party will have to speak for themselves. Uh, I personally want to take them for the Conservative Party. So I think there is tremendous optimism. Is that, is that a bit too sort of, is that kind of Joe Swinson level optimism? I don't think anyone could levitate to the clouds that Joe Swinson <laughs> is on. Uh, but the reality is surely that there are seats where, you know, there's a 502 majority to Labour in Bishop Auckland. Yeah. Uh, there is a slim majority in places like Blythe, which is dramatically changing on the Northumberland coast. Uh, there is slim majorities in Darlington, which we are very optimistic with. There is Stockton South, which used to be Conservative and now has a tiny majority to Labour. There are plenty of seats up for grabs uh, that I believe the Conservative Party can win for. And I certainly hope... Uh, that we do that. And is it possible um, that the Conservative Party will ever at any point, or what would your view be on it, uh, do some kind of a deal with the Brexit Party before the election? 
no, I want to win the Conservative Party a majority on the Conservative Party's terms. That's what my view is. I believe that's what the Prime Minister's view is. And I believe any part, any person, whether they are of, of left or right inclination, who's tempted to vote for the Brexit Party, should vote for the only political party that is capable of forming the government, namely the Conservative Party, who is committed to leaving the European Union. And I speak as someone who was Remain, but is utterly committed to seeing the will of the people through. And looking at the um, so far prognostications coming out of Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party, they're not really really banging the Brexit drum or, or the Remain drum, they're trying to take this election into other areas, which is where they won quite well against Theresa May last time around, because she'd introduced this dementia tax, she'd taken the vote sort of, uh, of people for granted, and they had decided that they didn't actually like that very much. But I'm s- assuming from the way Boris Johnson's talking that, that the Tories are going to make this about Brexit. Well, I, I mean, I, I found the, um, um, it was found in a toilet, the uh, specific uh, uh, strategy for the December 2019 election of the yeah. Labour Party, which, um, you know, uh, push Jeremy only gently is one of my favourite ones. Okay. I think it's a little harsh, but right. um, uh, do not mention the European referendum topic, whatever it was called. Right. So th- their, their view is avoid any talk of European referendum and, and Brexit uh, on the simple basis that uh, they don't have a credible policy there. Yeah. So I, I struggle to see what the Labour Party message is uh, in the general election going forward. I mean, they, they will doubtless seek to say that the world is terrible, that uh, all things are awful. Yeah. They will ignore the fact that we have raised wages up to a uh, living wage of £9 next April. They will ignore the fact uh, that we have raised the tax threshold to over £12,000, saving the working man on a low income over £800 a year. They will ignore the fact that auto-enrolment means this. If you're in a job, you're uh, more than likely getting 8% savings on a long-term basis. That's 10 million people. And they'll ignore the fact that, frankly... The job situation is dramatically transformed. You know, there's three million extra jobs since 2010, only six of which are taken by your colleague, George Osborne. Uh, yes, of course. And he does them all terribly well. He I does. He's a very busy, multitasking yeah. man, as he we must, all know. He must have been too hard on the poor boy. You know, he wants to get back into power. Guy Opperman, thank you very much indeed. Pensions Minister, Tory MP My for Exeter. Lots to come, of course. And the, the election is on. It is the people versus Parliament. Uh, whose side are you on? The fallout, the fury, the future. Let's get political. Order. Talk Radio. Live from Westminster. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green in Westminster. We are watching Prime Minister's questions. They're talking about the damage done to the economy, uh, whether or not you vote for Brexit, whether or not you don't vote for Brexit. Jeremy Corbyn's been accusing Boris Johnson of selling off the NHS to America in a Trump-style trade deal. Uh, We've had Nigel Evans standing up and saying that Ribble Valley is the happiest place in Britain. Uh, Can Boris Johnson continue to make it happy? Uh, He, of course, has said yes. Uh, The SNP leader, Ian Blackford, uh, says that uh, extreme Brexit will take a wrecking ball to the economy. I'm not quite sure where he gets extreme Brexit from, but we also heard uh, earlier on from Jess Phillips, uh, who had something rather interesting to say uh, when she stood up. Jess Phillips! Thank you, Mr Speaker. I have never known this place without you here, and I think it will be... uh, Well, it's going to be different. It's a delight to see your children here watching today. Because I know that while you have a responsibility to Parliament, that you take your responsibilities as a parent incredibly seriously also. And now to the Prime Minister. Um... That was presumably Jess Phillips making sure that she did not politicise anybody's children uh, because she's always saying that that's not a good thing. Mark Dolenson. It's about the most outrageous thing I've heard in a long, long time. Um, She's basically dissing the Prime Minister's prowess as a father. I mean, we know that he he might not be the most uh, reliable husband or spouse, um, but, you know, life is complicated, takes two to tango. But, I mean... To, to besmirch his reputation as a, an actual father to his children. Um, and this is somebody that's constantly banging on about how the trolls are making life in public, mm. you know, for public office so difficult. It's hard to be an MP without being verbally attacked online or in person. Well, that's just an example of trolling and therefore the worst hypocrisy. Well, I would have thought so. The same woman who said that she would stand behind Boris Johnson and ring a very large bell 
noisy bell uh, to make sure that his voice could not be heard as long as he wanted to be Prime Minister. But she never did any of that, of course. Let's go to the phones, though. 0344 Matthew Wright coming up at one o'clock. Uh, let's talk to Malcolm, who's in Oxford. Hello, Malcolm. Hello again, Mike. Well, How are you we doing? Got a, we got a uh, general election. Yes. Now, the, you had a caller on, I think he was first or second caller this morning, uh, who lives in Scotland. Yeah. He voted for the Conservatives at the last... Well, he said, well, he, said he did. I'm not entirely yeah, sure yeah, that he was entirely right. genuine, he to be honest. Did. And yeah. this time he's going to vote SNP. Yes. I've just listened to Ian Blackford, who is one of the most aggressive people in uh, MPs in yes. Parliament. Mm. Now, we've also heard from a couple of Labour MPs that have confirmed that the Labour Party, if they become in government... They will offer the SNP a second referendum for their support. When that gentleman said about English nationalists, yeah. that really weighed me up. Well, it gave the, the game fact, away, rather, because anyone who talks about English nationalism has never voted Tory in their life. Well, let's put it this way. Who's got their own parliament? Scotland. Yeah. Has England got their own parliament? No. N- no. So how can we be nationalists? Well, exactly right. It's and a when, nonsense. When it's, the, a, it's a shibboleth. Uh, Boris, Boris Johnson answered him very well and indicated that if Scotland were to get their independence, they're going to have to get their own currency. Or yes. will they join the euro? Well, they'd probably like to join the euro, but I don't believe they qualify currently under Absolutely. euro uh, regulations. So what sort of plans have the SNP got to be such a great country away from the United Kingdom. Personally, I'd let them go. But at the end of the day, they are going to be so much worse off out of the, out of the UK than being in the UK. Yes, and no, will I, they could, pay, I could agree more. Will they pay money to become a trading partner with the rest of the UK? Well, well I asked uh, I asked uh, Drew Hendry, their um, uh, their business guy, uh, if they would leave the UK without a deal, or with a deal. Well, he, he can't answer it because they think no. they're going to. They think that everything will stay the same, but they'll just be independent. Yeah, but, uh, I've got news for them. It won't yes. be the same because we won't allow it to be the same. Exactly right. We might have incentive of a bill uh, for leaving the Union, as indeed the European Union is trying to do to us. But great call. Thank you very much indeed, Malcolm. Good that you're paying attention to these things. Noah uh, is in Neath. Hello, Noah. Hello, Michael. How are you? Oh, I'm relieved that we finally, after months of wrangling, got a general election. I see. I'm I'm really... We didn't want one, but we have to have one, and... Not not a moment too soon, I think it... it well, I don't know about that. We could have had it a bit sooner. Yeah, we could, we could, we could have. Uh, I think this, con- this election is Britain's last chance now. I, think I don't think it is. I mean, you know, it's a, char- it's a once-in-a-generation chance, Noah. No, we're, we're, all of us are drinking in the last chance saloon. The Speak for yourself, last- Noah. Well, the country's in the last chance saloon. Uh-huh. Corbyn's in the last chance saloon. Boris is in the last chance saloon. I really think that uh, I think this is the only way to settle things peacefully now. Where, who's your MP, Noah? Jonathan Edwards. Are you going to vote for him? No, never vote okay. for him. Okay. How much of his majority do you think he'll lose? Uh, I, I think it's, it's applied to uh, Labour two-way. Yes. So, caught, caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, there. but a lot of Wales voted leave, though, Noah. Well, the South did. The uh, more rural North voted yeah. to remain. So, okay. uh, it, Wales is a very divided country. Yes, uh, it is indeed. Where did you change your name to Noah, by the way? Uh, about ten years ago when uh, a pro wrestler died. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. Sound just like Jonathan from Swansea, but that's another story. Uh, 0344-499-1000. Craig is in Oxford. Hello, Craig. Good afternoon, Mike. Afternoon. What can I do for you? Um, yeah, it, it sounds like the media is um, drinking the Boris Johnson Kool-Aid at the moment. They seem to think he's the Pied Piper of Brexiteers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's far from the truth. I don't think he's got many people that supported the Leave.eu campaign on board. Um, and certainly a lot of people I know don't trust him to deliver on Brexit still. Well, um, I think and, Aaron and Banks is uh, on his side, isn't he? Uh, so I'm talking about individuals, not people involved in the campaign, but, but actual people. Okay. In, in well, you don't think commoners, that, I mean, that's in the possibly the biggest insult you could ever give Aaron Banks. He's not an actual person. <laughs> well, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I do. But I mean, what you're saying is the grassroots people, perhaps. Yeah, and, and one of your commentators earlier insinuating that bringing on these, these once exiled Tories back into the fold helps him. Well, it doesn't. They were Brexit protagonists. That, that hinders him even more in their eyes. You know, people are going. People have, have memories. They're going to vote in this election based on what they remember. And all I remember from the last three years is individual MPs claiming that their constituents knew what they supported when they vote in uh, vote against the party's manifesto and their main policies. Yeah, but and don't forget, uh, Craig, that the, the vast majority of people would rather have um, a deal to leave the European Union than not. And yes, there are people who would rather not have a deal and they would rather leave acrimoniously without a deal. But I don't think that is uh, where the centre ground is. And the centre ground is always where you win elections. Uh, it, it, it might be used uh, normally, but we're not in normal situations. And most people do want a deal, but this is the withdrawal agreement. We then start to negotiate the deal. And seeing how the Tories negotiate the withdrawal agreement, I still don't think the majority of Brexiteers trust them to get a, a decent fair trade deal with the European Union. Well, I mean, that remains to be seen. I disagree with you about that, actually. But listen, thanks for the call. Great point to make. Um, Mark and Ollie, what do you make of that point? I think what Boris has done is he's looked at all of this. He's decided that, you know, the hard Brexiteers in the party, the ERG, can be won over by the deal. So if they can be won over by the deal, then most Tory Brexiteers can be won over by the deal. Well, I agree. And I think that if you actually vote for the Brexit party, the deep irony is that you will probably cause a hung parliament and therefore a second referendum and therefore possibly no Brexit. But Mm. you voted Brexit party. And the reason why is because it will split the Tory vote. And it's a big headache for Boris Johnson. Previously, for David Cameron, UKIP was the threat. Now it's the Brexit party. The Tories and the Brexit party are pretty closely aligned on most things. But it could be they'll cancel each other out. And it's it's the biggest headache Boris has got, in my opinion. I think so. Yeah, and what I've found amazing over the last two days, now that we're actually hitting an election, it seems to be a headache for the Brexit party as well. Mm. We've not heard anything from them. We don't know where Nigel Farage is going to stand. We don't know where any of their MPs are going to stand. And you would imagine, having asked for an election for so long, that they would be hot on the heels of it. But and the difficulty for, a bit for, for Nigel Farage and for the Brexit Party uh, is that they are sort of beginning from a standing start. They have no MPs. Uh, they are hoping to achieve some MPs. I would bet that no matter how hard they fight, um, they, could re- they could wreck a lot of Tory hopes, but they might not get more than about five or six MPs, I mean, which would be incredibly well, well done for them if they could do that. And well, at the yeah. end of their mission their mission could end up seeing Brexit not delivered at all. Yeah. And Here's that's the real risk. No one talks about our electoral system, uh, first past the post, which previously favoured the Conservatives. Theresa May won the popular vote by over a million mm. votes last time round. She got a phenomenal number of people voted Tory at the last election. Yeah. But the vagaries of first past the post meant she didn't get the seats. Um, this is a big problem now. If we had proportional representation, I'm not necessarily Let's a fan. Let's not have if, that referendum If again. we did, the Brexit Party would have refl- uh, membership. They would have members in the House, and they would do a deal with the Tories. But the problem you've got is, as I say, to cancel each other out. And as you know, I, I think in the end there'll be an unspoken, unwritten deal between the two. There has to be. Very possibly so. We shall see. Well, uh, guys, we're pretty much uh, at the end of the show today. Mark Dolan, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we heard from Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn a kind of a pre amble to the uh, campaign which is about to take place and kick off properly uh, in about a week's time uh, once the House of Lords gives the assent to the uh, election on the 12th of December Ollie Cole uh, will be hearing from you I'm sure throughout the day, Uh, lots more going on here on Talk Radio. Across the UK online and on DAB the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio If you enjoyed that be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.